Dear Lord, we just thank you for prayer. We ask that you be with our pastor while he's away in Haiti. Give him the power as he teaches those ministers there. And dear Lord, be with us today. Help us to use this time wisely, to use it in such a way that people will leave saying, I never thought about that before. Okay. Amen. Okay, today, I didn't know what I was going to talk about. In fact, I never know what I'm going to talk about. Patsy says I just talk. So today I'm just going to talk. No, today I want to talk about something that, you see, that that is seen through a glass darkly has always intrigued me. I I just long to know the secrets that lie on the dark side of history, way back there in antiquity. That's why I majored in history. But in addition to that, I'd like to know about what's out there. Way out there. When I was in the third grade, I wanted to be an astronomer because I wanted to know what was out there, what was beyond, beyond. And then... Have you ever wondered why those that can measure the skies and measure the depths of the sea cannot learn to live together in harmony? Have you ever wondered why those who who say they love truth are so willing to chase error? Well, I, I fall in that category. And so what I do is is I like to sit with those who once sat around long dead campfires and ask the questions that have troubled man since the beginning of the beginning. One of those questions is, how did it all begin? When did it all begin? What was its purpose? Well, I've I've drawn a line up here on the board. You've seen this line many times. I love it. It's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> when I was, uh, I, I teach Sunday school, and what they did to me is they took away my chalkboard, so I can't draw my line anymore. So I decided today you were going to be the victims of my line. So I put my line up here, and the pastor has put it up here many times. The trouble with this line is it's a finite line. It has a beginning, it has an ending. So you can use it for many things. You can use it for your life space. Carl Lewin, an eminent psychologist, he did that. He called this the life space line. You can use it for the time that I have lived in Central Texas. I moved here. I'm here somewhere along the line. But the line I want to talk about today is a different kind of line. When you take that line and you go to the end and you put an arrow and you go to this end and you put an arrow, you have just defined infinity. Infinity. That that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. That that has no beginning. That that has no ending. And you know, like the mathematician Blaise Pascal, 
You and I tend to be somewhat nervous when we are caught up in the silence of space and time. And so we want a beginning and an ending. We're not comfortable with that that goes on and on and on forever and on and on and on forever. So what we would like to do is we would like to put a line here. And we would like to say, that is where it all began. But when you put that line there, those of us that sit around those long dead campfires ask the question, well, what was before the beginning? Well, you know, there are those in science that say, well, it all began with a big bang. But you see, there were, to them, there were gaseous clouds and a spark and a bang. And it was all created. But then we asked them, well, why do you keep saying perhaps and maybe in your theories? I want one that has no perhapses and no babies. I want one that is certain and positive. I want a beginning that I can hang my hat on. And so the writer of Genesis has given us just such a beginning. But you know what he said? He said, in the beginning, I say you can't say that in the beginning because there was no beginning. So how do you paint a picture of a beginning when there is no beginning? And so what he did is he came up with a term. The term is the face of the deep. The face of the deep. Think of that. Back here in the face of the deep, there was no time. There was no yesterday, no today, no tomorrow, no next week, no last week. There was no time. In the void of the face of the deep, there was no time. But there was no space. A place with no time and no space, no light, no planets, no comets, no gaseous clouds, no sparks. The time was no time. How do you paint that? Is there an artist that is gifted enough? A palette that is full enough to paint nothing? Nothing, because that is what was here. Nothing. Ah, but there was something. There was something. Because we are told that there was God. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep in preparation, in preparation 
for the first day of creation. Isn't that a remarkable, wonderful thought that the Spirit of God, our God, the God who created us, hovered over the face of the deep? Well, you see, I don't have to wonder about how it was created. I don't have to wonder about when it was created because I know why it was created. But then, we've got a line here. What about out here? It goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. No, no, no. There's a line out here too. In Scripture, that is called the great white throne of judgment. It's talked about in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. And it says, And then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Listen to this. This, this is the creation. But it says, the earth and the sky, that which was created, has fled away. It's fled away. It's no longer there. It has fled from his presence and there was no place for them. So at the great white throne of judgment, earth and sky had flown away. And I saw the dead, the great, the small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. And the books and the dead were judged according to what had been recorded in the book. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So forever divides. There are those whose book was written into whose name was written into the book of life those whose name was not written in the book of life but wherever they were written it is forever and ever and ever as the psalmist said and I will live in the house of the Lord forever but it goes on to say in 21 verse 1 I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I I never thought about that before. Here God created on this creation day the this, this heaven and this earth that we're going to talk about in a moment and yet at the great white throne of judgment I saw it fled away I saw it was no more and I saw that there was a new heaven and a new earth I saw the holy city 
the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride. And I heard this. I heard a voice saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain, for the old order has passed away. I see a new earth. There are no cemeteries in the new earth. It says in scripture that the old earth groaned because of the pain, the sins of man. Earthquakes shook it. Volcanoes erupted and poured over it. Stars fled into black holes to disappear into nothing. But in the new earth, The old had passed away. No cemeteries. No volcanoes. No no thunderstorms come rolling in. No hailstones, biggest softballs. No sin. Just God living with his people. The God of creation. is from Alpha to Omega. From beginning, but there was no beginning, so God has no beginning, no end. God has no end. God is always. He is ever. Those are, that's my God I'm talking about. How in the world can a God like that allow me to come to him in prayer. How can a God like that allow me, simple me, to stand up and to teach others about him? He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's always here. When when Moses said, and who shall I say sent me? God said to him, Say the I am sent you. I am the I am before the beginning. I am the I am at the creation. I am the I am in 55 BC when Julius Caesar stepped across Great Britain. I am the I am in 1066 when William the Conqueror came across at Hastings. I am the I am. Name the date. He is the I am. I am the I am of the new Jerusalem. And I am the I am that will live with you in the land of forever. Who created it? The I am. And it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God was simply there. The creator God, the very foundation of our faith, he was simply there. And in John, we are told that God is spirit 
and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The spirit that hovered over the face of the deep is the same spirit that guides the course of history, that pins and turns the pages of history, that ensures that the, all things are moving toward that great consummation when there is no more sin. There are no more graveyards. There is only God and that man whose name is in the book of life. Oh, a holy will created our heavens and our earth. A miraculous coherence takes care of the entire fabric. A supreme intention turns the pages of history. There are assurances here for us. Assurances that are, that unite all of scripture. The, the psalmist said it this way. Before the mountains were born, you, you God, you brought forth the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Isaiah said it like this. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the story host one by one and calls them each by name on a night. When you see those stars pop up one by one by one, you know. It was God who created them. Not only that, but God knows them, everyone by name. And because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Every night, when we look up at the night sky, we know that the North Star will be there. Not one is missing. Nehemiah said it like this. You alone are God. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry host, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that's in them. You give life to everything. And the multitudes of heaven worship you. The stars, the moon, the sun, and a little man. They all worship you. And a poet by the name of Oxenham seemed to understand this because wrote, Not what, but whom I do believe, that in my darkest hour of need hath comfort that no moral creed to mortal man may give. The question is not what, but whom. So even before the beginning of the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness in preparation for the first day of creation. So the lesson here is that he is not the God in creation. He is the God of creation. So that's who created it. Almighty God. And how was it created? Well, it says, And by the word of the Lord, in Psalms, were the heavens made their story hosts by the breath of his mouth. So, the writer of Genesis was able to say with absolute certainty, And God said, 
He said it several times. Each time, the product was different, but the originator was the same. And God said, and there was. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so back of everything is the voice of God. We hear that throughout the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we get even more information. For those of us who sit around those long dead campfires, I don't have to wonder anymore, I know. Because in that opening chapter of John, I come upon God. But he's not alone. There's another one with him. Here John is he right. This is the same John who wrote the Revelation. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word and God spoke and it happened. In the beginning of the Word spoke and it happened. And nothing that was created was not created by him. It was all created by him. All that was created by the word. I come upon the Christ. I come upon my Savior who was with God at the time of creation. The word. And the word was with God. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is not only the creator, but he's also the sustainer. In him, all things hold together. Before him, there was chaos. Before him in my life, there was chaos. But by him, order was established. Here, It was chaos. The chaos of sin. The chaos of death. The chaos of tears. The chaos of pain. But on the other side, order. No chaos. The word still speaks to us. When when the Hubble telescope was invented... The scientists were amazed at the order they saw in the universe. It, it, it had such order, such beauty, that order dominated it. It didn't just exist, it dominated it. But those of us who know God are not surprised because the universe was created by a perfect God. So how would you expect it to be anything but perfect? This can be seen in the sequencing of creation. In the first three days of creation, 
the condition of formlessness, and it was without form, that condition was remedied. For first day was the light. The second day, the expanse between the waters. The third day, the dry land appeared. It was given form. The next three days, the state of emptiness was addressed. Fourth day was the vegetation. The fifth day was the living creatures in the sea. The sixth day were the living creatures on the land. That eminent mathematician Albert Einstein said this about it. The only incomprehensible part of the universe is that it is comprehensible. That's remarkable. Einstein said that. And you know, he said that because he saw the order as a mathematician. Someone once said that perhaps the language of creation was mathematics. I don't know that. But Einstein seemed to think that. Other scientists have found the same thing. Albert North Whitehead and Robert Oldenheimer, they said that ours is a comprehensible universe created by a God of reason. Thus, it is both reasonable and rational to believe that none should experience problems in ultimately discovering why things are as they are. They are as they are because they were created by a perfect God. And God spoke, and it was, and it was perfect because he is an omniscient God. The philosopher Voltaire said it like this. In the arguments for believing in God, there are difficulties. But in the arguments against believing in God, there are absurdities. Well, if that is the case... Why do so many want to exchange the difficult for the absurd? I'd I'd rather have the difficulty of believing in God than the absurdity of not believing in him. And while I may never fully understand the book of Genesis, I know that my heavenly Father will give the honest seeker direction toward understanding. And I will understand what I need to understand. And in preparing for today, I understand so much more than I did before I prepared. Patsy said, why did you take such a difficult subject? And I said, because I want to confuse them. (laughs) That's not what I said. I said, because I want to know. And if I took something I already knew, then I would not benefit from it. So I'd rather... Take something that's difficult and something that's easy. And when was it created? When was it? When did this take place? Oh, we just hate to have something that's not pinned down on a calendar. We want to know when this happened. Well, there was a fellow by the name of Usher. And he he was just so troubled by it that, that what he did is he went to the begats in the Bible. And he begat somebody, begat somebody, the ones we skip over, you know, because we can't pronounce the words. Begat, 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 begat. And he added up all the begats. And he said, he declared, 
with absolute certainty that this world began on an October morning. (laughs) In the year 4004 B.C. Now, for those of you that do not know Bishop Usher, then in the Bibles you had when you were young, he was in there. He was in the front of the Bible. And it says that that's when the world was created. And the when of creation, this line right here, it said was 4004 B.C. Because Bishop Usher said it. Now, the new Bibles don't say that. When, when was it, when was it created? I know exactly when it was created. It was created when God said, let there be light. That's when it was created. I don't have to have an exact date. The simple answer is that when God said, let it be, it was. Before that, there was the face of the deep. But when God said, let it be, the great clock in the hall of heaven began to tick. And it began to count out the time until the great white judgment. God had it all. He was in control of it all. And when God spoke, time began. And when God spoke, space happened because there were stars there. You see, you have to have something in space to have space. And there were stars there. There were planets. There were constellations. Everything changed except for one thing. One thing did not change when God said, let there be. That one thing was God because God does not change. As the face hovered over, as God hovered over the face of the deep, he was preparing for the creation of all we can see. And so when people look at creation and say, there is no God, you wonder how they can make such a claim. For everywhere you look, you see God. You see God in in a star. You see God in a rose. You see God in the face of a little tiny baby. Paul said it like this. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Everywhere we look, we see God. Another poet, Mary Plunkett, wrote this. I see his blood upon the rose, and in the stars the glory of his eyes. His body gleams amid eternal snows. His tears fall from the skies. I see his face in every flower, the thunder and the singing of the birds are bought his voice and craven by his power. Rocks are his written words. All pathways by his feet are worn. His strong heart stirs the ever-beating sea. His crown of thorns is twined 
with every thorn. His cross is every tree. Everywhere we look, we see God. Who created it? God. How was it created? And God said. When was it created? When God said. And then comes one of the most difficult of all questions. Why was it created? Why? Why was it created? Some people say it was created for fellowship. God needed fellowship. No, God didn't need us. We need God. There was Father, Son, and Spirit. Why was it created? Could the simple answer be because God is love. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. On this side of heaven, I will never fully understand the thoughts and the ways of the divine because he told me that. He said, my thoughts are not yours. My ways are not yours. Dr. Timothy Johnson in his book, Finding God in Questions, said this. Oh, God could have made it all obvious, but a terrible price. It would mean the loss of that which makes us human. The loss of the ability to choose freely rather than to submit passively. The loss of the possibility of being wise rather than dumbstruck. If we knew. Blaise Pascal said, God wishes to move the will rather than the mind. Perfect clarity would help the mind and harm the will. So maybe the big answer is not what was the process. Maybe the big, the big question is what was the purpose? It's a proper question. For the universe can only be understood its creation in terms of a divine purpose. What was the purpose of the creation? Could the answer be as simple as understanding that God is love? As simple as understanding that creation is woven from the threads of God's love? From the understanding that God's love did not begin nor did it end at Calvary. God was loved before the morning stars ever sang together. God was loved before the world was baptized with the first light. God was loved before the first blades of grass peeped out from imprisoning earth. Turn back the unwritten pages, unwritten pages of countless eons. Back to before God spoke the world into existence. Back to where the earth was without form. Back when deep and silent darkness stood in contrast to God's brilliance. Turn back the pages to the time where there was no time. There was no space. Even then, God was love. 
So in spite of our sins and because of his love, he chose us. It says in Scripture, he chose us even before the creation of the world. He loved us before we were born. He loves us now. He will love us forever. The question is not why creation. The question is why do so many of us not return God's love? He loved us. How can we ignore that love? Ella Wilcox wrote, The wise men ask, What language did Christ speak? They cavil, they argue, they search, and little prove. O sages, leave your Syriac and your Greek. Christ speaks the universal language. Love. Love. And William Blake said this about it. Mercy has a human heart. Pity, a human face. And love, the human form divine. And peace, the human dress. We were created in love. Because the God of love knew that's what we needed. Could God's love be the guiding force behind the why of creation? John wrote, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And if you've ever read the Midford series, that artist wrote this, that, that author, Jan Karen. Love is an actual need. An urgent requirement of the heart. Every properly constituted human being who entertains an appreciation of loneliness and looks forward to happiness and contentment feels the necessity of love. Without it, without it, life is unfinished. If love is indeed the why of creation, then without it, creation would be unfinished. Love. Well, our time is finished. If ever foolish enough to invite me back again, I'll finish the rest of it. But our time is finished. But not God's love. That will never be finished. It will be from Alpha to Omega, from beginning to end, from the old Jerusalem to the new Jerusalem. It will be the thing that unlocks us so we can be what God intended, so we can fulfill God's purpose for us, a purpose written in the blood of love. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word and to study creation. In Christ's name, amen.